0: hello everyone and welcome back to people make the difference the lorien podcast every month we're going to talk about all aspects of talent acquisition talent management and more with the aim to give our listeners an insight into what the best organizations do in this space to acquire and look after the people that make a difference within their business in this episode we'll be talking all about ir35 and the recent announcement around the repeal in addition to Contingent Worker Compliance, Nicole Slowey, Operations Director of QDOS. And we're also going to be joined by my colleague John McMillan for his first full podcast debut. We'd love to hear from you and what you think about our discussion. Please contact me directly at darren.topping at lorienglobal.com to carry on the conversation. Hope you enjoy. No, all good. Um,
1: Yeah, my last day at work before I went off on holiday wasn't quite as anticipated I'm just casually getting on with my to-do list watching the budget yeah. same as a next the to as I'm watching it and I I heard what Quasi Cortez said I got up and ran into his office and I was like I was like did he just say the word repeal I was like can I just double check that I've heard that right
0: <laughs> yeah you were you, you were expecting like review weren't you but yeah 100 percent
1: and I think as well for them to actually even be specifically talking about it when he's done the budget presentation was a lot because for so many years anytime when we've had reform or there's been the consultations etc it's only been in the, the red book it's only been when we've got the detail but the fact they actually made such a a bold statement but obviously the the intent was trying to impact and generate all of this and yeah. now we've got our 45 percent tax return already so yeah, um, yeah nothing Nothing is given at this point in time now <laughs> we said everything before in terms of the economic fragility off the back of Brexit off the back of Covid when we had the postponement last year so if we're being honest we shouldn't be that surprised but it was we definitely did think that Liz Truss mentioning a review in the lead up to the the leadership contest was more of a, a lip service type statement as opposed mm. to actually being me taking, 100 miles further forward than that and actually going as far as saying no we're going to we're going to roll back we're going to go pre-reform
2: and and course <clears> so funny <throat> that I, I I thought um the opposite I when I saw it I thought she's doing this for because, because for you know for the reason of everything we talked about the 45 tax thing yeah when I, when I saw it I sent it around our teams during before it happened saying have you noticed this almost like do we want to get back behind Liz trust because this will really help us in in the marketplace that we're in mm-hmm. um, so i thought that was really interesting because so i was almost and maybe selfishly hopeful that it was going to get reviewed at least um, <laughs> but you just the you <laughs> appeal was a bit further
1: yeah you kind of get um when this is what you do doing, end you get a bit downtrodden any time the government says they're going to do a review or a consultation because you yeah. have high expectations and then what you actually get in terms because every consultation there's been on IR35 reform we have as have loads of organizations spent a lot of time in articulating your responses doing research client and customer engagement to then get the responses back from HMRC 18 months later and they've just completely disregarded that the the um, information that the majority of people have sent so I think that yeah it's one of those things that the, there are positives to come from it but from a what we've been through in support our clients over the last couple of years like the money and the time invested from clients to get this right for the HMRC to just come along and say probably gonna roll it back now I can understand why that's um a bit of a, a tricky pill to swallow but We've been engaging with a lot of organisations recently who've been having uh, talent challenges with the fact that their policies are inside and banning PSC. So there's some positives to be taken from in there, but all of that needs to be super carefully managed in the context of what's going to be happening with the legislation, retrospective risk and all that, Jazz. Sorry, Darren, am I saying all the things that I'm supposed to say and when No, <laughs> that's kind of a question. I'm asking me that because-
0: questions? <laughs> none of this is going to get cut out now we'll just need to work we'll
2: need to work it back and we'll need to make it sound like this came later yeah, that's
0: Sorry. That, that is half of the content done we? we'll go we'll just start at the back and go forward from there right. <laughs> Because because <we> will... <laughs> so would you mind just doing a quick introduction for our for our listeners, Nicole, we wonder what we've been speaking about for the last 10 minutes and, and who you are.
1: Yep. So I'm Nicole Sloy. I am the Operations Director at Kudos. Um, We have been at the forefront of IR35 services since the inception of the original legislation back in the year 2000. Um, And I've spent a significant part of the last kind of six years of my career focusing on IR35 reform and how clients and recruitment agencies and contractors manage their risk and consider their position and ensuring that they are complying with the, the relevant legislation.
0: And we met, of course. Do you know what? That must be now four 40 years, years ago. ago.
1: Yeah. How time four flies. Years ago.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah. On working with different different solutions, which which always always went really well. Um, early days, Nicole. But with the the potential repeal, I'm going to call it a potential repeal because we still don't really know what is going to happen. But what do you think the impact will be? From me. I'll give you time to think by telling you what I think initially is that I I just think a lot of companies will maybe it's the wrong phrase, but double down. They'll kind of be they'll I think some companies will be like we did all this work previously, we'll just stick with the PSE ban and we'll just we'll just carry on because we can't, you know, we don't have, we don't want to go through all that again and go through all that change again. So I think a lot of companies will initially just carry on the way that they're going. And then maybe kind of unravel a bit a bit quicker in those policies. What what do you think?
1: I think that you're right, and what I actually think will happen is we will see a lot of similar trends to what we saw with organisations ahead of reform being introduced. So I think you'll have lots of organisations who will, at the minute, choose to do nothing different from what they're currently doing, because as you said, this isn't certain at the minute. We still need to go through the full. Um, parliamentary legislative process. It has to be properly assented through the Finance Bill, which won't happen until next year. So I think we'll have client organisations making no change, which is the right thing to do because I think the important thing for organisations is to be mindful of is you absolutely still have that compliance responsibility to consider the IR35 status of the contractors and workers that you engage up until the 5th of April 2023. So I think we'll definitely have that segment of clients and I think an extension of that, I think a lot of clients will look to not necessarily consider any kind of what post-IR35 repeal looks like um, as a result of wanting to to work only where we've got assurances and absolutes and certainties on the opposite side of the spectrum um, and something that I've seen quite a lot over the last kind of six to nine months is those organisations who were looking to move a few inches away from that that band position and wanting to actually explore what engaging contractors compliantly outside of IR35 could look like. I think that lots of people will still continue with at least exploratory conversations and considerations, but actually with a potential further softening of that approach, because that risk then no longer exists from the twenty um from April 2023 for engagements post that date. So obviously clients will still have that retrospective risk period for where it has been their responsibility, um, in that reform period. But I think that that softening of well, the, ours was a risk position. We didn't actually consider status. It was just a policy ban. We're we're moving back the way because we were having some chat talent short chat, excuse me, talent skills and shortages. That actually, there's a greater incentive and a lessening of of that risk consideration because there is essentially an end point to to the legislation being applicable to those organisations.
2: Can Can I ask a follow up question, Darren? Do you think that, and this isn't on the list, so apologies, Darren. um, Do you think that clients who have put in a blanket position are in a better place for the post? April twenty twenty three than those who maybe took a hybrid approach and maybe a fifty-fifty approach and did classify some inside and some outside.
1: That's a really good question. I if we if we take it back to the true compliance consideration, organizations who made a commercial decision to ban PSCs and undertook no steps nor endeavors to actually assess the IR35 compliance status of their contractors are potentially in a more advantageous position coming out of reform because they have no retrospective risk position to consider. They have no, we assessed a bunch of contractors who are inside IR35 who came on to payroll or went yE they are now asking for contract rolls back, they won't necessarily have that to contend with. So I think from a a commercial and an operational perspective, some of those organisations may find themselves in a place whereby they could more easily transition back to how the world used to operate. But my caveat to all of that would be that Quasi Quartime was very specific around some of his messaging and that, that the HMRC's stance and the Treasury's position is that compliance is still going to be a key area of focus so those organisations thinking that they can just go back to the old ways of the world and treating contractors as though they're employees that isn't going to stand going forward so th- there should be none, no under no illusions as to that but I would say there are less barriers um, for them to, to potentially consider coming back out because if you have those organisations where you've had that that level of compliance where you have a hybrid approach and you have some contractors where you have appropriately appropriately considered their IR35 status and they're inside IR35, then if there's those kind of demands and the noises that may come from the contractor population for those individuals to transition out and look to see where there are other opportunities in the market, there are some very specific technical considerations that need to be taken into account because... If you are a client organisation and you have assessed the contractor as inside IR35 and just because it's no longer your responsibility to consider status, that you in turn potentially let a previous employee go back into contracting. You're going back to 2000 and that's why the legislation was originally introduced in the first place. So there is that to consider and again there's some further complexities and I know that we've had a couple of clients ask us about this about the Corporate Criminal Offences Act and about the facilitation of, of tax evasion through the supply chain. That could quite easily fall into that category if you're a client knowingly allowing a contractor to engage in your supply chain, on an outside R35 basis and go back into contract, and where as far as how you treat them is more akin to that inside, inside piece so there's loads of complexities I'm not going to go into any of the details around it. the the Corporate no. Crime offence act and that's there's lots of people out there who know far more about that than me but it's a consideration and it was a consideration that actually came up when we had the postponement of reform Um, back in 2020. So lots of clients wanted advice and said, well, we've done all this work. We've assessed a lot of these contractors inside. What is the risk if we just decide to pause that and re-engage all these contractors on an outside of our certified basis? So those are the areas that organisations will need to think long and hard about. And I think that those are the areas where we would always be recommending to client organisations to seek advice. So I think in any organisation where they took that really any bit bit large business who had their IR35 reform project teams and a plan and it considered comms and it considered risk and your approach to assessments organisations from a, a best practices perspective should look to emulate something like that and seek advice to help them transition out of IR35 reform in that repeal position and understand where there are risks to their business historically, and for the retrospective piece, and also what that's going to look like going forward. In addition to considering, well, actually, are there any opportunities here? Are there ways that we can actually better position ourselves as being uh, an engager of choice over some of our competitors, as with lots of organisations did going into reform? Oh,
0: such an interesting bite point that you started there with Nicole, because in in my simple brain, I was like, oh, it's been repealed, everyone will just go back to doing exactly what they, they were doing before. But <laughs> it doesn't mean that, does it? Because there's all that stuff that's happened in between. Um yeah. what do you think it means for like independent workers and contractors themselves? But how should they as individuals approach that change? Because I know that obviously QDAS advocate, you know, on behalf of these these individuals.
1: Yeah. I think for me, the messaging for the commercial entities is the exact same as the messaging for the independent workers and individual contractors is this legislation exists you have a responsibility to manage your compliance and to demonstrate your adherence to considering your tax status position and as such you should seek to manage that risk and take control of that as much as you can so in the same way that whilst contractors don't strictly at the minute you never know what might happen with the legislation and the simplification of any legislation that may come in the fullness of time. They don't, under Chapter 8, which is the old IR 35 rules or the contractor specific IR 35 rules, there's no legislative requirement for them to make a determination and issue an SDS in the way that recruitment and, and clients and um, organisations have had to have up until this point. But the principle is the same contractors should take steps to actively establish. IR35 status so review their position get an opinion from um, experts in terms of understanding how compliant their working practices are from an IR35 perspective understanding how that links in with and also is reflected in their contract that they have with their recruitment agency and one thing that we always advocated for pre-reform and will continue to do so thereafter is we're a contractor can engage with their client for their client to agree and essentially ratify yep that is actually the the working practices that's at play here that has a huge amount of value for a contractor and obtaining and managing their compliance position the fact that you can have your client agree to yes there's a true and accurate reflection so um what we would typically call that or what we certainly called it in the past and we would probably look to to, to coin it something the same as a con- it's a confirmation of arrangements. Now some clients may be hesitant to engage with that process um, but it's, it's a positive thing and definitely at least something contractors should be seeking to have discussions with their clients and the recruitment agencies around establishing a solid understanding and a foundation of knowing what the risks are um, ensuring that you're okay with what the client's position is and how it engages contractors and what that means practically from a working practices perspective and then equally how that all translates to your contractual position and an overarching IR35 assessment because what will stand contractors in good stead as if in the event of any sort of HMRC inquiry or compliance activity that they are able to showcase to HMRC their approach to compliance so their records of assessments and and contract reviews and any correspondence and engagements that they have had with their agencies and their clients around their contract and how they operate is always going to put them in as a best possible position to argue their case um, and that extends to things like you can, contractors can get IR35 insurance so they can ensure their position as well as assess and actually manage and um, ascertain the, the risk around the the contracts and the engagements that they're going to have with those clients going forward.
0: Yeah, that, that's such great advice to call because a lot of, I feel like a lot of contractors are naive. It's almost like they don't think it could be them that gets looked at or investigated. So um that, that protection advice is, is spot on what do you think is going to happen with pay rates john because i was thinking il35 undoubtedly pushed pay rates up and the shortage of talent pushed pay rates up are they now going to come back down are they going to stay where they are i know
2: <laughs> well, well, i'm no well i'm doing a rate card review right now so it's a it's a timely <laughs> question um <laughs> it's it's really difficult to answer um yeah my initial gut reaction would be that they'll continue to go up for the rest of this year due to cost of living crisis inflation etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's that's the working premise that we've been working on for the last three months since we've, we've done our last review um, notably we do review a rate card every three months now it used to be every year but because of the, the pace of the market it's every three months is sensible even if it's just to say yeah we're still on track um, but to answer the question more specifically around IR35 I think rates will go down and um, I think they should go down and um, because the client that we work with doesn't classify therefore it tends to be a conversation with the contractor and the client that if it's inside and I'm doing inverted commas here I know that's not great for a podcast if it's inside or unclassified um, they are then saying well I've got an offer outside at x pounds per day therefore I need x pounds per day inside or unclassified um to make this worth my while or make it they offer the same so i think that that will stop therefore rates should slowly decrease Uh, i think the market should slow down a little bit my only caveat is that we were seeing a bit of a jump to permanent Um, it wasn't a huge jump because projects were taken off again Um, we were seeing a bit of a jump to permanent Will that slow down with the repeal of the laws potentially um, and contractors will feel more comfortable in the contract space again so it may stay flat but I don't think it should keep going up at the same rate it has been as my as as my overarching view right now
0: yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of career contractors who've been in permanent roles now for two or three years I just wonder now if this is going to tempt them tempt them out and then that kind of that permanent hiring shortage will, will carry on Um on the subject of, of individual workers still Nicole but off IL35 now you can you can put your, your legislative notes down um, <laughs> what what having worked with Laurie and other recruitment companies and and obviously recruitment agents who work with contractors what more can can our industry do to give them a better working life I'm sure that there is more that we can do in this space but sometimes when you're in the context you don't see it have you seen anything that you think more organizations should be doing to help out independent workers
1: I think that there certainly is I'm going to very briefly pick up my legislative legislative hat again just ever so ever so briefly oh, put, put it away. <laughs> but yeah I think that principally for us is that sort of recognition that we've we've been through a lot in the industry over the last couple of years through Um, Brexit, IRA35, reform, um, COVID, the postponement of reform and now the repeal. But I think that one of the principal things that organisations, both agencies and clients are, is treating contractors like contractors and not uh, not as an internal resource in the same way that you treat employees in terms of both from a legislative and a tax perspective, but from a a respect perspective as well, in terms of engaging with these micro SMEs as micro SMEs. I think that beyond that, and I have now put my hat down, um, is that the, these individuals operate by the very nature of what they do as independent workers, so they don't have that um, comfort blanket, that um, rapport or camaraderie that exists that, that you naturally have when you work as part of an organisation, and it can be an isolating place, um, it can be a, a difficult um area to manage from a considering all the things that you are exposed to from a risk perspective best practices around engaging with recruitment agencies and um, best practices around um what the best types of vehicles to deliver your services are is it a limited company is it as a an umbrella company worker is it agency pye so i think for me the principal point that i always come back to as far as what could help contractors is always around education information and insight to give them the the knowledge to especially if you're new to contracting the knowledge to navigate the complexities of the landscape through all the different areas of consideration that largely you would never need to think about if you're an employee so like I said there's the the tax and the risk element there's the how do you actually go about getting contracts and actually taking that a step further yes I know I'm a professional and I'm an expert in my field but what's it like from a culture perspective dipping in and out of all of these types of organisations and building relationships so for me there's a lot on the softer skill side that I think the organisation organizations and agencies can do just to give an extension of support to to contractors and um, independent professionals when largely they they are operating in that isolated capacity especially for those new entrants to the market but equally for those who are are kind of career contractors who maybe haven't been able to, to keep up to date with developments in the marketplace and trends and things like that so I think as that old saying goes knowledge is definitely power and I think giving contractors a bit of a a community element to that of sharing information and insights I think is a really fundamental part of that
2: so that that that's really interesting because I've recently added two contractor care um, roles into our operations team um, and it's for that exact reason and I think what, what I'm hearing from you and what we could possibly build on is Building that sense of community for them, so if Lorraine as their as their agency, that's almost the company that they are supported by, and they get that sense of culture from. And if we can create that community spirit within that world but then also support them with more information so it's not just I've got a problem with my timesheet. can you help me it's on oh, by the way did you know this is happening or this is coming up and and maybe getting back to the good old days of drop-ins and newsletters and, and building that back up again was part of the plan but you've just probably made me think I need to accelerate that even further because that's a really interesting insight into the how it may feel to be a contractor rather than just thinking about day rates and things like that that's really interesting
1: yeah, we've done quite a bit of research and engagement with our own customers and there, there is a lot around that and we did as you can imagine a huge amount around it when it came to to Covid and financial stresses and pressures and also there's been lots of campaigns around um, sort of contractors being left out in the cold where there were all the financial support measures and things like that and I think that's definitely a trigger to consider that engagement piece with contractors has been a fundamental part of any, and, and our organisation is is not any different to that in terms of the, the engagement that we have with our customers and it's about information and knowledge and sharing and experience but I think we are organisations especially in the agency space have that opportunity to potentially create that a bit of a community there and contractors get the benefit from having some sort of level of peer engagement, market insights, having an understanding of what's going on out with the confines of their current contract is going to go quite a way to to kind of make them more engaged and make them better at operating in a a contracting capacity going forward.
2: Yeah, no, I agree totally. I
0: know we're nearly out of time, Nicole, so are we okay to keep you for another five minutes? Of course you are. Yep.
1: Yep. I've got a Um, reasonably free afternoon.
0: Oh wow! Don't tell anyone. I'll keep it quiet.
1: That's um, why the doors shut.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, as I mentioned earlier, we've we've worked together for a couple of years now, and every time we have worked with you or we've introduced you to a client, they've always been been blown away by your kind of expertise and and how you bring clarity to these kind of situations. And I know that you've been at Qdos for over ten years now, and you've kind of really accelerated in your personal career throughout that time. What advice can you give for people and Particularly young women, I think, who may want to follow in your footsteps. What's your what's your journey been and and how have you got there?
1: Oh, um, my journey has probably been a somewhat unconventional one to an extent. Um I from a very young age made the decision that I didn't want to attend university. Um I was a hard worker, I always had part-time jobs and things like that when I was at school, but I identified really quickly that I wanted to get into some sort of professional services type role with an opportunity to learn. So I actually started my career um, in financial services working for High Street Bank, and I went into an undergrad programme, um, did a lot of on-the-job learning, also did on-the-job academic learning, um, and that sort of set me on the path to ultimately where I am today. But my approach throughout my career has always been to jump at every possible new opportunity that presents itself to you. And learn as much as you can so in all the organisations that I've worked for throughout my career I've always worked across functions and in different departments to learn as much as I possibly can and I always like to think of myself in a lot of ways as a really good generalist because I I do well and I excel when I have a good knowledge and a good understanding so we are individuals have got opportunities to go on secondments work in different departments participate in participate in projects and volunteer to participate in projects that are out with your business area because all of that really good knowledge is going to stand you for good stead both in terms of um, growth and development within your own organisation but also for future job opportunities and the, the ability that you can demonstrate the variety of your your knowledge and, and we encourage that in our business and I certainly encourage that in our business through the development of urging your staff and making sure that they're cross-skilled and they they can talk to all the specifics of our insurance policies just as much as they can our IR35 consultancy services. And knowledge for me is such a big thing and learning is a big thing. So again, where there's any opportunity for you to engage in further education, whether that's through formal qualifications or training courses and, and that sort of thing, I think, again, is it just adds, gives you the opportunity to add another string to your bow. Um, but the kind of the biggest single thing I would always say is work hard and be a nice person because you will be surprised at how far that actually gets you and it's such a simple thing but you can have super talented people who don't necessarily fit from a culture perspective and not necessarily the 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 nicest person to engage with and and get along with but actually being a nice uh, being a nice human being and actually just working really hard and, and honing in on your craft I, th- I think is really important. And like I said, a lot of my success, certainly over the kind of last ten years, has been built on. The fact that I have worked in sales I worked in marketing I've worked in operations I've worked in tax and finance and all of these things combined together actually give me a really really unique skill set they're not what not that many people ultimately have so I think that where you have the ability to do that I would always encourage that and, and we certainly do that from a, a kudos perspective when we we're thinking about the development of um of our staff as well um and, and just get really or just get really interested in kind of super exciting topics like IR thirty five. That's <laughs> Great advice.
2: Thank you. I think I think what you're describing is like what we talk about what we used to talk about when I worked at way. is T-shaped people. So it's a, a generalist with a specialism. So you become that that yeah. trusted advisor because you know a bit of everything or know people or that know yeah. that they can support you. Um my I it just made me laugh when you're saying about working in sales and working in market. In my very, very first job when I came out of university I was driving a van full of power tools and I was demonstrating power tools for DeWalt <laughs> and I thought why why are they putting graduates in this job but it was actually so that they could learn the product and the customer mm-hmm. and then they moved into sales Or then you moved into marketing yeah. or, or HR and it was only once I got that that I realized that how smart a graduate program that actually was um, yeah. and and then you learn lots and lots of different things and and then you become you know you sort of progressed through your career, so it's really interesting, to hear it from a different angle.
0: What is interesting is every successful person we've spoken to on this podcast, I've been lucky to speak to, everyone has also said you have to work really hard. And that that doesn't often come up in conversation, because obviously we're really aware of kind of burnout and well-being, as we quite rightly should be. But at the same time, I think hard work is a cornerstone of everything, isn't it? No, okay.
1: um, I, 100%.
0: And one last question for you, Nicole, I don't know if you listen to any of our other episodes, but we ask every every person who comes on the podcast, um, which is called People Make the Difference, in honour of our MD David Gettings, it's something he firmly believed in. So we ask all of our guests and I'm going to ask you now, can you tell us about a person that's made a difference to you?
1: I always struggle with questions like this, but it's actually a really, really good question. And I think for me, I have had the privilege of working with and still do to this day so obviously a natural shout out to all of my kudos colleagues in our senior management team um, working with some really really talented people and um, some fantastic technical people some really innovative people um, and I've been really fortunate to always have had um, a supportive network around me from a professional perspective and that actually goes to the point around The fact about being a young woman a young woman who has progressed a lot Um, I have always been supported and and kind of pushed up and, and move forward around that but actually for me a person who's probably made the biggest difference to my life was probably my grandparents so I have that work ethic and that working hard attitude has been instilled in me since I was a kid and I was really fortunate to spend a huge amount of time with my grandparents when I was growing work because growing up because both my parents worked full-time so my grandparents were my child care as a kid um, and that just that that approach of commitment to, to family um, and recognizing that when you're part of a big family everyone has a role to play you don't get away with sitting about and doing nothing um, and that that dedication to the people around about you and that support and network and that kind of approach to family and togetherness and team but in, to me how it translates professionally is that work ethic that I have how I think about our team and our business and consider it actually as, as a family and then how you foster that really really positive culture so my grandmother specifically was uh, I still work for that for me and uh, throughout my entire life and I was super fortunate to have someone that I could look to who is that shining light of zam- example of where hard work, great determination and being a loving and caring person ultimately actually gets you and at a time where um, you were a working-class family, you had seven kids, one house, all of these things which are completely different to what family life is like now and in in what she was able to achieve in her life and that's, that's probably one of the key people who've always made a difference to and shaped me as a person and as an adult and who I will always attribute a huge amount of my success to as that person.